you are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 187 and 188 of Talking Through the Bible. We're going through the whole thing uh, with a reading plan, but Mm -hmm. our whole idea here is to continue the oral tradition and talk about it. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Where are we in the Old Testament, Matt? Our Old Testament reading for today is 2 Kings chapter 12 through chapter 15. Well, we are again deep in the histories of Israel and Judah. Yes. God's people have been um, kind of violently separated so that it's been an ongoing, on-again, off-again relationship of mm-hmm. civil war and kind of working together. Yes. It's very mixed up. It's like a it's very much like a family kind of a, a family reunion, you know, when you get everyone mm-hmm. together and there's like little quarrels and there's things going on. So you got the two sides, the north and the south. Israel is north. Judah is south. Judah has the temple. Just catching everybody up. Yeah. Judah has the temple. And, uh, and Israel has just more land and more tribes. So yeah. that's what they each have. And uh, two golden calves. Yeah. <laughs> and they're kind of keeping people from going to the temple by having golden t- calves set up as far north as you can go. I think in Dan, and, and as, as far as south, south. Mm-hmm. in, uh, I forget where, I Beth, Ephraim. Ephraim. So, yeah, I think it is in Bethel. Bethel, I think. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's where we stand, and we're several years now into this division, and we've had moments where they work together, mm-hmm. and moments where they're working apart, and now we're getting into a list of several kings. Yeah. And as you go through this, the temptation has always been, whenever I've read this, these parts, <laughs> is to just figure, I know what's going on, blah, 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 this guy died, this guy reigned, this guy died, this guy reigned. Right. And so what we're trying to do today is figure out what is, what is this saying to the original audience? Mm-hmm. What is it really saying? Because if, these were our, if we were contemporary and these were our leaders, right. it would be more meaningful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so without just listing what's happening, we're going to try and find some of the threads uh, that are going on for Israel and the threads that are going on for Judah and then the threads that kind of hold them together as God's people in a violent, hung, uh, power-thirsty world, you know? Yeah. So we are with Joash. Yes, or Jehoash. Jo- Either way. Oh, is it Jehoash? It's both. Okay, yes, Jehoash. And he was seven years old when he began to reign. Yeah, the boy king. I like to call him the boy king. The boy king. And he's in Judah. So he mm-hmm. has the temple. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the boy king here is that he's led by Jehoiada. 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 The, the priest. And as a result, he's kind of, you got the priest leading the king, mm-hmm. which is a good thing yes. for a little bit. Um, and so he's able to care about, kind of do some good. Yes. And care about the things of God, which, again, one of the threads is care about the things of God. Why? Because you're the people of God, Mm -hmm. and when you don't care about God, you're not the people of God. What are you? You're just weak people. (laughs) That are going to be invaded. Yes. And so um, he rules 23 years later. Oh, no, he rules, and he says, let's um, take the money and upkeep the temple. The temple is yeah. kind of in disrepair, like things are falling apart. Let's fix it. Yeah, so he starts to do this uh, um, funding campaign for the uh, for the, the temple. The repairs. And that's never a great, like no one gets excited about, let's raise money to repair what we have. Yes. And so they're raising money and after a while 
Joash... 23 years, wow. ...goes to the priest and is like, why have the repairs not started yet? And the priest just say, uh... He goes, stop taking money. And the priest goes, okay, we'll stop taking money yeah. for it. Great. And they, we also won't fix the building. So That's yeah. what they said. They go, we yeah. also won't fix the building. Yeah, so like, the priesthood okay. has basically been pocketing the money that he's been raising for the repairs of the temple. So then he and Jehoiada set up uh, probably one of the first like piggy banks. Yeah, um, he drills a hole in a box. Into a large chest, and then all the money gets dropped in there instead of just being handed to a priest. Oh, and there's an interesting thing about giving. It mm-hmm. was whatever the Lord prompted people. Yeah. So we have this theme. Don't be confused. Throughout the scriptures, there's a theme of people giving cheerfully uh, from prompting. Like mm-hmm. there is tithes and offerings, but then there's giving above and beyond, mm-hmm. uh, not under compulsion. God doesn't want slaves who have to give everything. He wants free people who understand what's going on, and he, they're partnering. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so then whenever the box would fill up, they would... Uh, pull all the money out, count it, and then they would then start paying directly the carpenters and everyone who would come in and repair the temple. Yeah, so, so he took control and mm-hmm. said, we're going to do this project. Yeah. The other thing I noted, uh, and it says this for all of the good kings, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a good king that's taken care of this problem, which is the high places are mm-hmm. still up. And just to remind everybody, I, had, I needed reminding. I'm like, yeah. what's the deal with the high places? Yeah. And... These were originally, when there was no temple, mm-hmm. these were set up throughout Israel and Judah, throughout Israel when they were united, as places to offer sacrifices to God. They were also originally there from the Canaanites, and so that's the, where okay. the Canaanites would offer their so own sacrifices. the people of God came in, took over, mm-hmm. and repurposed it to God. Mm-hmm. Well, over the years... People were still making sacrifices on these places. But when you had the temple, you were supposed to stop yes. doing that. Now you do not worship God anyway. in that way, yeah. offering offerings and things anywhere. You come to the temple and offer up animals. And so they should have been broken down when the temple was completed. Mm-hmm. And so what's difficult, it's not just that the kings... Are, I used to think, oh, the kings are just stubborn and not willing to go all the way. No, this is a big job to go through all of the whole entire promised land, breaking down each. It would take a mm-hmm. lot of effort. It would take a lot of courage and strength. And Israel wouldn't allow you to do it. Judah wouldn't allow, you know, I mean, like you have all these political things. So I'm just understanding how much courage and strength and effort it would take to do that. And we don't have a king yet who will break down all these high places, mm-hmm. which I, you can understand. They got a lot of other issues. Yeah. But at the same time, this is what God's asking. And also it makes me think, um, this is why God said you can't. You, we don't just worship anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you can engage in worship, but there are places. The temple of God. We are the temple of God, but the church is the place where you sacrifice or partake of the Lord's Supper and the mm-hmm. Word of God. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just interesting to see these themes work out. But but that's just uh, kind of a general as we go. Yeah, noting the high place thing. And so then he's he's rebuilding. He's adding. Like he's kind of restoring the temple, and he's somewhat successful. And then in the middle of this, Haziel, the king of Syria, does a yeah. uh, a big invasion, gets all the way down to Judah. Like, he raids all the Philistine territories yeah. along the coast of the Mediterranean and gets down into Judah. And uh, Joash pulls a king, uh, Asa. That's right. 
was waiting to see if you knew how to say yeah. it. And it's he's very like, important to me that we pronounce everything yeah, perfectly. A good, a good amount of the money that he used to rebuild or was getting for all this for to restore the temple, he now uh, gets and pays as a tribute to Haziel. And it doesn't say that if he was scared or if he's just now he has there's things to protect, and it's mm-hmm. like let's just pay a tribute yeah. and be done with this. And I think it's a sign of weakness, at least to the people, because. Without much explanation, yeah. his reign ends by a coup. Yes. They kill him. They kill him. So either they were willing to fight, he was scared to fight, or it wasn't the right time to fight. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's and hard to it make doesn't, a And it doesn't say if he consulted the Lord or not. And so he just gave Haziel the money that they've been working. I imagine they've been doing this money campaign for a while, like 40 years. <laughs> no one likes that. And then he gives it all away to... The invading king. Yes. And that's kind of dis- disheartening. Right. So, so, you know, you're trying to do what's right, but things get complicated. So then we go on. We got to keep going but, here. Okay, I do want to yeah. know. They assassinate uh, Joash. Right. And, but unlike Israel, where Israel's constantly riddled with assassinations. Whoever and assassinates takes over. Takes say. over. But here, they assassinate Joash and then put his king, his son on the throne. They keep the uh, David line going. But that makes sense because in Judah, they have the place of God and they mm-hmm. still understand like the anointing and the presence of God is important. Yeah. Whereas Israel was even started by Jeroboam who was outside of the line mm-hmm. of David. Yes. So yeah, so you can kind of see how the historical mm-hmm. precedents carry through. All right. Then switching back to Israel, we get Jehoahaz. <laughs> Yeah, and this is interesting because he's losing. Syria is just kind of chopping them up, mm-hmm. taking over. And then there's just this nebulous, they cry out to the Lord. The Lord refuses to blot out Israel, even though they're evil, mm-hmm. because they're still his people, right? He didn't ever say, I'll blot them out. And so he hears their cry, and he sends a Savior. And from other parts of the Bible, what I think is happens is Assyria attacks Syria. Yes, <laughs> that is what happens. Woo, excuse me. Yes, and so they kind of get distracted by Assyria, which, which is even more north than Syria. More north, and is going to end up taking over. Spoiler alert: taking over uh, all of the north someday. But they actually kind of create a reprieve for mm-hmm. Israel, mm-hmm. which God's using. But it's not a solution, a long-term solution. No. So they get some nice kind of years of peace where everybody can live in their own house. And mm-hmm. apparently, the, all the timing of this stuff gets a little bit difficult to understand. Yes. But apparently, it's jo- is it Jehoash? Jehoash? Jehoash rules after... Jehoahaz. Yes. And he goes to Elisha. Is he the one who goes to Elisha? He is. So Elisha's yes. still around. Yes. So Elisha is still around... Um, but he's about to die. Jehoash or Joash, and this is the Israel Joash, um, goes to visit Elisha because he hears that Elisha is deathly ill. And he he goes to Elisha and he weeps and cries and he says a very interesting phrase, which I feel like is very full circle for Elisha. Yeah. He says, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Now, this is the cry that Elisha said, 
when he was watching Elijah get taken up into heaven. And so as this king is watching Elisha, like, basically die, he cries out the same thing, thereby kind of re... Uh, reinforcing, like, you really were a prophet. You really were from, you really were Elijah's successor. Right. And God really is with you. And so God speaks to um, this king. Joash. Joash. Mm -hmm. Um, Elisha says, look, shoot an arrow into the north. Mm -hmm. Basically, that arrow is going to give you victory over the Syrians. Yes. This is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Now... Shoot your arrows into the ground. Yeah, he says, now keep shooting your arrows. And just shoot them down in the ground. Well, Josh shoots three. Mm-hmm. And Elisha gets upset and says, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you mean? Why did you only shoot three? You should, you should have shot at least five or six. Like, empty the quill, man. Yeah. Empty the quill. Because now that was supposed to be symbolic of how many times you'll defeat the Syrians. Now you're going to defeat them six times. If you had emptied the quill, is that what they call it? Quiver. Quiver. I kept saying, I knew Quill. I was so confident, though. I know. I didn't want to. Wow, you were going to let me go. I thought I you loved me. <laughs> I was. Well, um, you should have reduced You're me. owning it. All right. The quiver, sorry. Empty the quiver. Because if you empty it, that is all of the attacks. You will, you'll finish them. You'll, you'll finish, overcome them. Yeah, you'll overcome Syria. But as it stands now, you got three victories. Mm-hmm. And so he's upset. Um, and then... So then Elisha's died and is buried. Yeah, and the Lord is gracious... In giving victory. Yeah, the Lord does give them three main victories against Syria, and they're able to uh, get uh, three areas back. But um, he he says he does do a covenant with Abraham. He remembers the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and would not destroy them. Like, that's big to me because you haven't heard the covenant going back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Except for Jehoiada. I think. For a while, like for the mm-hmm. sake of David yes. and for the sake of oh, Abraham yeah, yeah, and yeah, Isaac right. and Jacob. It's pretty cool. For us for the sake of Christ. Um, well, and he's not saving the north for the sake of David. He's saving no. the south for the sake of David. Oh, that's good. good so call. he's saving the north for the sake of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. Uh, but something else happens with Elisha. Yes. There's one final Elisha miracle, which is so great. Yeah. Elisha continues, it's, God continues to use Elisha even after death. It's, which is so cool. So uh, there was just uh, some guys that had to bury their friend or an acquaintance, and they were out in an area where the Moabites were usually raiding. Yeah, uh, so the Moabites kids. have not been taken care of. That's yeah. frustrating. Yeah. So, so they're just coming through their spring raids. Yeah, so they're usually out raiding, and so they're trying to bury their friend. They see the Moabite raiders coming in the distance, and so they just toss their friend into a cave nearby, and it happens to be where the bones of Elisha are. Yeah, that's great. The body of their friend touches the bones of Elisha, and he springs back up to life, and then is running with them as they run away from the Moabites. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, so you got the double portion of Elisha. Yes. Where even in death, he's able... God uses his bones to resurrect, which will be funny when you think about today, the Acts reading, mm-hmm. Paul feels like he's being on trial for resurrection, Yes, which he's saying is a very Old Testament idea. I'm yes. not doing anything new. And so it's just great how these dovetail again. I know. It's like here you see another resurrection. So you got 
Elijah resurrected a boy. Yes, Elisha resurrected a boy. But now Elisha gets the double and resurrects another dead guy. It's like double. Yeah. Even while he's dead. Right. And Elijah, <laughs> so I'm sure Elijah is like, maybe I never got double like Elijah said. But no, sometimes oh, God's working so in our lives and we may never see it. All right. Uh, so that happens. And then we get more into Kings. Yeah. Then, so then we flip back to uh, Judah and we get uh, the boy king's son, yeah. Amaziah, who's fresh off like the coup. <laughs> Yeah. And I think he hunts down all the guys. He he waits for a little bit, but he uh, he ends up hunting down all the guys that had killed his dad. Yeah. And he kills them and their servants and like wipes but, them all out. But he doesn't kill their children because, again, he's following the law where it says uh, children should not be put to death for the sins yeah, of their father. So he and, follows one law mm-hmm. and does it differently, and the Lord's like, great. And then he gets victory over the Edomites, right? Yes, so uh, they had lost. The Edomites had rebelled against, right. um, I forget who, but one, one of the, of, yeah, one one of the kings We had lost on. that territory. And so he goes back and uh, takes it. But then he gets a little too big for his britches. Yes, he. it's very, it's very interesting, but he now is like, Oh, I want to take on Israel, and so yeah. he kind of sends this challenge to uh, Jehoahaz, and says, "Let's let's go up against one let's another. Let's dance, bro." Yeah, and I thought it was Jehoash. You're right; it is Jehoash. And he sends back like this parable, like the great parable of um, Gideon's son, when uh, he uh, escaped the brutal killing of his other brothers. Right. Uh, and he does the whole, uh... You're a thistle. Yeah. And I'm a bee, a wild beast. Like, don't... A thistle can't come at a wild beast. He'll get trampled. Yes. And so, basically, Jehoash says, Hey, man, you've struck down Edom. Good job. I'm glad that you're all pumped up from that, but let's just be content with that glory. Uh Stay at home. Uh, Why should you provoke trouble so that you fall, you and Judah, with you? And he does it. He gets too big, too excited Figures, oh, Lord's going to give me Israel, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be the guy who unites it. And instead, yeah. he he goes up there and just gets humiliated. Yeah, I mean... To the point where parts of the wall around Jeho- Jerusalem yeah, are broken. Yeah, Jehoash like, goes all the way to Jerusalem and destroys uh, the wall around Jerusalem. And, and Amaziah has to flee, and yeah. eventually is killed by his own people. Yeah, and then he is killed like his dad. Yeah, just like his dad. So, there you but, go. But, just like his dad... The people put his son on the throne. So, again, uh, a coup, an assassination. We have two back-to-back assassination attempts. That does not end the line of David. Very interesting. Yes. So then we get to uh, <coughs> Jer- Jer- Jeroboam Two Sticks. Jeroboam. <laughs> Jeroboam Two Sticks uh. is the son of Joash, but he reigns. Does he reign? He reigns forty-one years. I'm trying to figure out why. Mm. Or is that when he started reigning? No, I think he does. He has like a really long yeah, reign, but we're not really. Years. But he did what was evil. He um, did mean, not depart. He's just like Jeroboam. He's just like the original Jeroboam. Um, so. Yeah. So, but interesting. We get a little interesting cameo in Jeroboam too. Oh, that's what this is. Yes. Uh, Jonah shows up. Did you know that Jonah was in other parts of the Bible instead of his own book? I did today. I was like, Jonah, there he is. <laughs> but this is the part where you realize um, 
why Jonah hated the Assyrians, like the Ninevites. Yes. Because we are in the middle of years and years and years of deep-seated, actual physical oppression and domination and violence by the Assyrians. And so when Mm -hmm. God tells a prophet, go into the capital city and Mm -hmm. announce my love for them. Yes. It's, you're a little bit upset about that. Why, Lord? And you realize too, reading this, I realize, oh, God's like, maybe, you know, you guys want to be just like the rest of the world. You want to be violent kings and you want to have all this stuff. Well, then maybe the Ninevites are at the same place you are right now. Right. Maybe you're actually the same. And so why not see if they'll be more uh, open to it? And Mm -hmm. they ended up being more open to it. But yeah, this is where you get Jonah and you start to recognize his deep hatred. But this is also where the Lord says, I'm not going to blot out the name of Israel. Right. And so um, Jeroboam is used kind of, they're saved. Jeroboam's kind of used as a guy who re-secures some shaky borders, gets some land back yeah. that was taken from by the Syrians and Assyrians. And uh, even though he's not a great king, he does not follow the Lord, well, the Lord still uses him to yeah. protect his people. And then let's run through 15. Yeah. We got, uh, real quick, Azariah, he is uh, Judah. Yep. So he, after he, his dad's uh, assassination, he gets up to the throne. And he was 16 years old when he ran, uh, when he got office there. Mm-hmm. And he ruled for 52 years. Yeah. Kind of good. So, but he was a leper. Yeah. And he had to live kind of in a different home. Interesting. Uh, we get more on his story in Chronicles. Chronicles, yeah. but. He he kind of served the Lord and he tried to follow. He did his what was ways. right. Yes. Then you got uh, the evil, basically the evil kings, and this kind of trail of tears <sighs> and violence in Israel. You got Zechariah, who is the fourth generation of Jehu. Yes. So God kept His promise to Jehu, and yes. then he he gets killed. Right. He gets, he gets killed. He gets assassinated by Shalom. Shalom rules. He's the evil king of Israel. He rules for a month. Before he gets killed by Menahem. Uh, yes. He's evil. And he, I don't know if he gets killed by uh, um, Pekahiah, who's two years. I know Pekahiah gets killed by Pekka. No, no, Pekahiah is his son. So he actually gets, um, he actually is succeeded by his son. Oh, okay. But um, how come he died only two years into his reign? I can't remember that. Mm. I make like little uh, baseball cards. Of the kings. We should do that. Make a baseball card. Collect all the kings. And it has their stats to well, keep it straight. So he was, he did like a really heavy tax to pay off the king of Assyria. Oh, that'll do it. Um, yeah. And then Pekka, Pekahiah, his son, reigned in his place. And then Pekahiah uh, is continuing to do what's evil. And Pekka, his captain, uh, conspires against him and kills him. Kills who? Kills Pekahiah. Right. So Pekka, Pekka kills, kills Pekahiah. That's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. At the very beginning. No. I, uh, yeah, I was just clarifying that Manahem was succeeded by Pekahiah. Okay. Not, not and then Pekka yeah. kills, kills Pekahiah. Yeah. And Pekka gets a cool 20 years of cool 20. service. And then we just go back to um, Jotham in Judah. Jump back to Judah. And he does 16 years, and he did what was right. So here's the deal. You're seeing that in Judah, there are kings who did what was right. Mm-hmm. They didn't ever clear out the high places, which is to say they couldn't ever fully get total um, 
cooperation with every place in their territory. Yeah. To serve the Lord the at way the, the Lord at the temple the way the Lord has prescribed, yeah. but they still did good. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I just think it's pretty hard to be king. It's hard to keep focus. You know, it takes energy, courage, and faith. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of Jesus, like when he says it's hard for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah, like, he knows it's hard for when you get that power and you get that money and all that stuff. It's hard then to trust the Lord. And so um, you kind of see it work out in different ways. Mm-hmm. In the north, you get small moments of repentance. And they never really commit to following the Lord, no. but they do have moments like, oh, it's too much help, Yeah, Lord. I mean, like you see Ahab repent and, um, and then uh, Jehoash yeah. with Elisha. Like you see all these like brief little moments and God honors that. Like he, he does. He, he totally res- does. He responds to that. But and I- then you got the south who have everything and still kind of living at home, mm-hmm. so to speak. And they get good kings here and there, mm-hmm. and they, so that results in some longer years of rest. But it does, it makes me think of like children. You might have children that were raised to love the Lord, right. but they go off and they don't really follow the Lord. But, you know, if they've, they've been baptized and they're part of this thing, I think just a little, of, little repentance goes a long way. It does. And, or you're a good kid living at home, and it's like, you're not perfect, you got issues. But it still gives rest. It's still better to call out to the Lord than not know him at all or never call out to him. They definitely have a lot less um, invasions on their actual territory. Right. They get like a few. They're not getting hit like Israel is getting yeah, hit. Yeah, Israel's losing everything constantly, gaining it back, trying to manipulate. Uh, Judah was really just losing their vassal states. Right. So like Edom and Moab, like those weren't actual Canaanite or like Judah territory. That was just like extra that they were gaining power and I f- over. I feel like, too, the Book of Kings and in Chronicles, it's just winding up this need we have mm-hmm. for a better king. You know, mm-hmm. winding up, getting more tension. So we need a better king. A yes. king who can unite his people, defeat the enemies, and usher in peace. A king who walks after God like David. Mm-hmm. Because when David was king, things were the best they'll ever have ever been. Yes. So we're in a position, and the people don't know it, but if the good kings, it's like, come Lord Jesus. And a good king would recognize, I'm not the good king. We need God and his king to come. And so, you know, you can look at it at a national level, but then look at it in a personal level. Like, I'm not king of my life. I need Jesus to rule. Um, come Lord Jesus. So there we go. This That's where we're at in the middle of Second Kings. Yes. We're, we're slowly moving towards Chronicles, where we'll kind of see all these things play out again in a different uh, from a different perspective. Right. Let's move now to the New Testament. Where are we at today, Matt? Our New Testament reading for today is Acts chapter 25 through chapter 26, verse 23. Sweet Paul. Paul is still in jail under kind of a house arrest situation. <laughs> yep. Instead of uh, Felix, now it's Festus. Yes. Festivus for the rest of us. And uh, in 25, we have... Has Paul already appealed to Caesar? Or is this what he's about to do? He's about to do. Okay. Because... uh, So Festus now is like, all right, I want to hear this Paul thing. And he's looking to gain favor with the Jews. And so he's wanting to do them a favor. And so he knows Paul's just like sitting around in this 
a house arrest situation, so he brings Paul up. But the Jews came, and the the Jewish leadership said, send him back to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Let us try him, because he's broken our law. Yeah. But really, Paul knows this is another ploy. I mean, you have guys who haven't eaten. Yes. Who <laughs> made a vow before God not to eat until he's dead. Okay. Yeah, that vow's probably broken by now. And so that's why Fest, uh, Festus is like, you know what, maybe I'll send him back. I don't know what I'll do. And that's when Paul says, uh, look, I appeal to Caesar. Yeah. Yeah, so he kind of gets up in front of Festus before he can send him to uh, Jerusalem. And he's like, look, I haven't broken any of the laws of the Jews. I haven't broken any of the laws of Caesar. Right. Uh, I don't know why I'm here still. It's been at least two years since Felix has got had him so it's been at least two years that he's been sitting around and uh and then that's where festus goes well do you want to go to jerusalem and be tried for the charges and says i'm standing before caesar's tribunal right now i'm standing before you i'm not going back to jerusalem to deal with them no if you won't if you won't try me i appeal to caesar and that's when festus has to confer with his council. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh man, what should we do? Well, he wants to go to Caesar. That's the right of every Roman citizen. Right. So to Caesar, you shall go. Mm-hmm. Well, then some days pass, yes. as the Bible says, and Agrippa, the king of Bernice, king and Bernice, I'm sorry, arrived. Yeah, um, so uh, yeah. So Agrippa is the son of um, Herod Agrippa the first, and is Bernice's wife? Bernice is his... Uh, it's his sister. Sister, there, yeah. But uh, they're in a uh, incestuous relationship. That's just straight up historical fact. That's y'all. just uh... so King Agrippa shows up with his incestuous sister wife. Yeah, and uh, and so Paul Festus is like, hey, after so many days, do you want to hear this guy? We got to figure out what to do with him. Mm-hmm. And he knows that. Agrippa and Bernice are way more familiar with right. uh, Jewish customs because Herod, uh, Herod the Great, not Herod Agrippa, his like grandfather, had converted to Judaism, and so they all were pretty familiar with uh, the ins and outs of Judaism. And so the next day, they ag- or not next day, several days kind of pass, and then finally Agrippa says, I would like to hear the man myself. Mm-hmm. And so Paul gets a chance to explain himself and it's really beautiful when you hear Paul is so smart about knowing his audience. Mm-hmm. Like he knows his audience and hits the major points, the things that they need to know. And so mm-hmm. um, even Festus is saying, look, I haven't found anything wrong with them and we've examined them. And so let me hear him talk. And so Paul basically gets a chance to say, hey, uh, here's my defense. Mm-hmm. You know the customs. You know the controversies of the Jews. I beg you, please listen to me. And he, he starts with, I was a Pharisee. I was raised in, under Gamaliel. Like, I was a Pharisee, a Pharisee. I was all the way to the point where I was persecuting people of the way. Mm-hmm. I was testifying against them, getting them thrown into jail. And he gives his Damascus story. Yes. And so apparently Agrippa would understand this because he's like, I'm sure people heard of Paul. Yeah. And had figured, or Saul back then. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, He's being slowly convinced that, okay, you definitely were someone who understands mm-hmm. all these things, and now you're a person of the way. Yes. But after he gives his whole um, Damascus experience, yes, he says, therefore, 
Here's what I said all this for. I was not disobedient to the mm-hmm. heavenly vision. I declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and then throughout all the region, and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. Um, and for this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. And then he, he says, I'm just telling you guys, all I've ever done is say what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. Mm-hmm that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, oh, that's where we end. That's where we end. It's a cliffhanger. Yes. So Paul gives a clear presentation of the gospel. He clearly says, I believe in the resurrection, mm-hmm. and I'm appealing to Caesar, and the only reason I'm being shut down and tried to kill, be killed is because they don't like this message of resurrection yeah. in Jesus. Yes. Because that's what Agrippa, Festus said to Agrippa. Like, he keeps talking about this Jesus being alive. And, mm-hmm. and Agrippa probably would have heard about Jesus. Yeah. Um, now, I yes, do, I do want to note that the Caesar he's appealing to is Nero. Yeah, it's pretty bad Nero. It's like right before Nero gets super uh, anti-Christian. Crazy. But, uh, yeah, so it is interesting knowing, like, he's appealing to speak in front of Nero about Christ. That's what's happening right now. Which is beautiful because this is the fulfillment. You know, God gives him this, he gives him a mission. Mm -hmm. You're going to go and you're going to suffer greatly for this, but you're going to go to the world. Yes. And so now you're going to go to Rome, Paul, and you're going to talk to the highest authority in the land who happens to be one of the craziest Caesars of all time, Nero. Yes. Like the craziest, most angry, violent Nero. Uh, you're going to go present the gospel to. What a noble, awesome, like that sounds so great. Like, I want to do that. And then you read the reality of it is like, well, you're going to spend several years in jail and be uh, murder attempts on your life. And and, and Nero's, ulti- Nero's ultimately just to, going to kill you. Yeah, just to get a, a, a hearing from a crazy Caesar who thinks he's God. Yeah. Man, the call to Christianity <laughs> and to live this life is... Weird, sometimes upside down, very confusing. It requires faith, but also full of life, you know? Yeah. But Paul also knows this is what I'm living for, and there's joy, and there's peace. I mean, he's singing while he's in prison. These are things you can't mm-hmm. fake. So, wow. All right. All right. Let's can't wait for the next episode to hear mm-hmm. what happens to Paul. Our psalm reading for today will be Psalm 81, verses 1 through 7. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.